Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. And that's Don't forget, in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Labelled Podcast uh, with me, Alice, and my lovely friend, Lucy, over there. Hello, Alice over there. (laughs) I always say over there. Over there. As if I'm sort of pointing. Over there there. in in sort of that region. (laughs) I don't know where Staffordshire would be from here. My sense of direction and general geography is very poor. Yeah, don't so. ask me. I, do, I don't know. <laughs> Terrible. I don't know where anywhere is. No. It's good to see you, Lucy. It feels like it's been a very, it's coming to the end of a very, very long week, I think, for both of us. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, <laughs> so I, a sort of a nice Friday afternoon record feels like a good, a bit of a pick me. It feels like I've not you. seen you for a very long time, and I know it, it's probably recently, but we recorded this time last week. Yeah. Well, there you go. it feels a lot longer than a week. You see, <laughs> seven days. <laughs> a lot longer than a week. Yeah. yeah. And the world uh, starts been, to fall uh... apart if I don't speak to Alice regularly. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, I did treat myself to get my nails done earlier today because I was just like it's been a a long long is really the only way I can describe the sort of my feelings of the last yeah it do, life days, does so. feel at the moment like what you're wading through treacle and I don't know whether it's the time mm. of year or or what but it's not it's not it's not it's not it's not easy at the moment um no not not a huge fan of uh dark and cold definitely doesn't help no doesn't help your mood does it Uh, no uh but hopefully listening to our lovely little podcast helps your mood listeners well well done Um, well done (laughs) (laughs) i am the queen of the segue that is my unofficial title yeah um if someone would like to give me a crown that's that would be that would be absolutely fine i'll see what i I can do i'll see what i can do i'll see what i can do i could i could rock a tiara yeah Uh, (laughs) We have a guest with us again this week. Uh, This is someone that um, I think Lucy has been stalking on the internet a little bit because Vera is doing some really interesting research. Um, And uh, yeah, we've been quite keen to kind of learn more and find out about what it is that Vera has been studying. So uh, Vera, would you like to introduce yourself and just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and, and what you're up to? Hello, so I'm Vera Kabentz and I'm a researcher um, at the University of Birmingham. I'm I'm doing my PhD at the moment and I'm looking at the um, experiences disabled people have during encounters with strangers in accessible parking spaces. So I'm uh, looking kind of to explore how these encounters, what kind of encounters take place, um, what effects, how these encounters um, play out and also kind of the effect they have on people's emotions and also how disabled people navigate these encounters, whether they might adapt their behavior or adopt certain strategies to kind of get through that experience. And I'm really looking to find kind of how these experiences contribute for many of us to kind of everyday experiences of disablism, kind of how that accumulates over time and how it adds to kind of a sense that we never really belong, even in supposedly accessible spaces that are specifically built for us. Oh, that that's I really like the sort of the the way you've rounded that off at the end. Is I, I think that that is it is a bit of a microcosm, isn't it? Um, and that that sort of using that as to extrapolate on how disabled people feel when they're sort of yeah generally in the wider community um, and in wider society, even when it's supposed to be an accessible space. It's, that's really interesting. And it really it really. Um it kind of makes you think as well actually because like there's being annoyed at you know not being able to find a parking spot and then there's being annoyed at 
when you find a parking spot and you have somebody come over to you and say, uh, you do realize this is for disabled people, don't you? This parking spot, and you think, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I don't I don't know a blue badge holder who doesn't have no. a story of something ridiculous that has been said to them. Um I I think I shared before um somebody I work with who um has a mobility aid parked in a like a Tesco's car park in one of the accessible spots. Um one like late night shopping, so it was like I don't know, ten PM and someone came up to her and said, uh that she didn't that that those spots didn't count as disabled spots after like eight o'clock. Uh, right, okay. Like, because we're because we're they... werewolves, aren't we? We don't go we don't go out after six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's ridiculous. For for me personally, when I have to use accessible parking spots, it's not the distance that it is away from the store because I know that people are like mm. oh you just want to park close to the store, but it's the having the space either side to park my yeah. chair so that I can get out of the car and into my wheelchair. If, if the space is too narrow, I can't open the door to get out. So I need the yeah. space. We have that for the, for the dog. Yeah. We need to, to be able to get my guide dog out of the car. Yeah. Um, I won't, especially Dora, my, my new guide dog. <laughs> if a door is not open all the way, she will literally <laughs> just sort of be like, I can't. I'm sorry, mother. I'm not getting out that small gap. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so so for me, it's having the the sort of space around the aisles, and it's the kind of the kind of thing I need is the same thing that a mother and child's parking spot. Mm. And I I've often mm. said that I think the whole blue badge system needs overhauling. So you get different levels of well, like green zone. They need like space either side. And like red zone need to be closer to the to the store. Whether that would be practical, I don't know. But in my head, I was like, I've solved this crisis. I've solved this problem. Uh, Vera, what made you get into this sort of? I was just wondering that. <laughs> what made Go you on. get into this area of study? Because it's very very niche. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think I've always kind of used. I think academia to kind of make sense of my own experiences. So basically, I'm. Um, I'm then, I did my master's about 12 years ago and during kind of my undergrad and master's in my early 20s, I was reading a lot of feminist theory and then a lot of queer theory because that was me trying to figure out my own sexuality as you do as a completely straight person, you read queer theory. Mm. So it was kind of that helped me realise <laughs> I was um, bisexual. And then um, I think as a, I, was, I, I, I have a genetic impairment, I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, but like many people with EDS, I was basically... Uh, I didn't realize I had I wasn't diagnosed with EDS until my mid twenties. Um, so it was actually during the last during kind of the last few months of my masters, and I was experiencing a lot. Um, I had a really bad time during my masters, um, just generally, but also they were they were very much like we don't make reasonable adjustments for you. <laughs> we don't need to give you an extension. So it was kind of immediately getting thrown in the deep end in terms of disablism and. Then I basically started reading disability studies to kind of make sense of that experience and kind of form my identity as a disabled person. So it's always been really helpful for me to kind of make sense of that experience. And then about six, seven years ago, I started thinking about doing a PhD. I wasn't ha happy with kind of where I was in my career. So I had a bit of time and I started kind of with that idea. And I really was interested in sort of the idea of having to kind of modify your behavior, having to act in a certain way to be accepted as a disabled person in public. And then um, I had a sort of proposal ready, but then I had a baby and it all went completely like off the rails. And <laughs> so I basically came back to it um, a few years ago. And then I, and I, at that point I realized that really for me, where that was most pronounced, kind of the, the feeling that I have to act in a certain way or that I'm always on edge about how people perceive me was really, uh, for me, that was most pronounced in parking spaces. So I was always thinking about the encounters that I've had in parking spaces and I've had many different ones. And I'm, yeah, I'm really interested in capturing kind of the different experiences that we have depending on different impairments and different needs as well. I'm sort of the opposite. I need to park close because I never know when I might dislocate something exactly, or when yeah. I, when I get exhausted 
like I, I can't tell I, t- I know I've done too much but two days after I've done too much yeah. I can't tell <laughs> yeah so it's really important for me that I had I can kind of conserve my conserve my energy and be able to park as close as, as possible yeah. but I've had yeah, yeah I think it's I'm really looking kind of describe that diversity and it might not it's not just kind of people necessarily challenging you but it might be you challenging people I've, I used to challenge people a lot in parking spaces when they were abusing parking spaces or using yeah. them for unloading mm-hmm. especially in my workplace and I kind of got tired of it I've just re- I had this one realization at one point where it's like it's never going to stop no I can have this fight every single day but at some point you just it's just so exhausting you kind of got to like protect yeah protect your peace haven't you really to be honest if you start your day off having argy-bargy with a delivery man outside your workplace before you get into work it sets the mood off on a on a bad tone um can you tell us Vera some of the experiences you've had as a disabled person using accessible parking bays what what sort of experiences have you had interactions with other people I think I made a top three at one point for a presentation I gave. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, it was really difficult to, um, to kind of rank them, I think. So I think a lot of the experiences I've had was when I was in my 20s, so a little bit younger. And I think for me, age was a big thing. So I had one, I think, experience where I, would, I pulled into a bay and immediately someone came over and started banging on my car window, my passenger window. And it was, yeah, it's just a strange man banging on my window, essentially, which is quite scary when you're a woman on your own. And I just didn't even put the window down. But it was just, yeah, just really quite intimidating. I had another one, I think. It was that, I assume that was just a, you're not supposed to be parking here. I think it was. I think it's like someone trying to. You don't look disabled, you can't park here. Yeah, I had another encounter that was um, just before I started the PhD um, where I parked outside a local library and um, I had my blue badge already on the dashboard because um, it was just I normally don't put it out actually but I, I, it was ready there because I wanted to get out quickly yeah and I can see that there's a librarian outside she looks at me and I was like here we go again yeah so I get yeah. mentally prepared yeah um, for an encounter for being confronted about why I'm up why I'm parking there and then I get out I've got um, I use a walking stick mm-hmm. so I have my walking stick in my hand and she was literally walking over to me and she turned around and walked off as soon as she saw the stick that it was, is, it was... It's, it's incredible <laughs> do you know um, in my experience because of obviously like both me and Anis um, well, Alice, Alice always says she can she can pass for being non-disabled because if you don't see her guide dog, she she does no other real mobility aid, is there, Alice, to, to no, distinguish and, that you are and, disabled? Yeah, and and unlike some uh, sight conditions, um, I don't have any kind of physiological presentations in my eyes. My eyes twitch a little bit, but not noticeably. I can make eye contact, things like that. So, whereas um, whereas yeah. I, whereas I use a wheelchair, and so when I'm in my chair, it's blatantly obvious that I can't walk and I'm disabled. However, when I am in the car, you don't see my chair because the the chair is in the boot with blacked out windows either side. We've purposely got a car where you we lift the whole chair into the back of the vehicle, so we're not dismantling oh, really? everything. Um, but the the windows are slightly blacked out on the back, so you can't really see inside the boot. Cause cause your mum's a G. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My mum's up to dodgy dealings when I'm not with her. Um, <laughs> uh, and then um, so so yeah. So you and because you you can't see that I'm disabled because you see my shoulders and my head. There's nothing that says she's disabled. She's di-. So we often get people kind of like staring really intently. You can almost say you can feel your eyes burning in the back of your head. And when I know they're looking at me, I say to my mom, just get the, just get the chair out of the car, like really, really, really slowly, just to make them feel really bad. And like, we'll, we'll, we'll do the transfer so it's really slowly so that, that it, they have to look at the fact that yes you've been you've been staring at a disabled woman and don't you feel bad because you think it's like it's none of your business is it really like if i if i was yeah. legitimately trying to park in a disabled bay because i was going to j- jump out and be five minutes 
um, then fair enough. But I'm, I'm not, and I know that I am entitled to that space. It's, uh, it's really weird. We get. So my husband is non-disabled and is, you know, that he is the driver. He's the one with the driver's license. I am not allowed to drive for somewhat obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and um, sometimes we'll go out without my dog. We'll, you know, he's particularly because my husband is very precious about my retired guide dog. And she is his little princess. <laughs> he's like, if we're going out for dinner, he's like, well, we can't take Dora and not take Lola. She'll be on her own and stuff like that. So we'll quite often go out like just the two of us um and we'll park in a disabled spot and i get out the car and i can get depending what time of day it is what which what car park it is you know somewhere i know stuff like that i can get out the car i can walk around the car and i can be join my husband at the driver's side and we can sort of go off together and we've definitely had people look at us mm. um however my husband is quite sort of big and broad and chest like broad chested we were gonna say chesty i was it's not what i mean um like broad chested and beardy and has a has piercings and tattoos and a little bit scary so we don't ever get people caught like when it when it's just the two of us like that i've never had a comment made about the fact that we're parking in a disabled spot Mm. i do wonder vera if potentially part of your experiences are because you know of your gender i think so i think i mean i have been i'm really keen to kind of explore what people feel are kind of the reasons and i'm really interested to kind of to hear from different people so i'm hoping to do a survey um starting hopefully early next year from to hear from people from people about kind of what they what they think contributed to it because i also want to get away from the idea of visibility being kind of a Mm. uh, kind of a i think i think you have still have um like lucy said um experience because you might be perceived as non-disabled before you even get out of the car mm. and visibility is also i don't think it's as kind of black and white as it's often presented like for me i don't i i don't appear disabled unless i use a walking stick and i don't always use it i use it most of the time but i didn't when i had a small child and i physically couldn't manage mm. toddler and walking yes. stick at the same yes, time got your hands <laughs> <Not possible>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it's it's a lot of a lot of people. It's probably you might use aids some of the time mm. um, on different aids, and it might vary. But you still get a load of um, crap thrown at you when you're mm. visibly disabled. Um, and uh, yeah, I think gender is something that might make you more vulnerable. I, I think I've only had one encounter where my partner was present, and that was I think I think that that was one of the two incidents I've had where I felt actually threatened. And, and I was worried it was going to escalate to violence. So yeah. even having a having my partner there didn't make a difference. Mm. But um, um, yeah, I'm very interested in hearing um, from kind of um, people of color as well, people that appear visibly queer, and mm. um, I think particularly fat people as well. And kind of the assumption that oh, you're not legitimately disabled if you're fat because you can't possibly like it's your own yeah, fault. That- and a lot yeah. of people say, "Well, fat's not really a, like a disability, does it? Really? They, they, you know, there are people out there who say, well, just you're fat. You're not disabled. You're you're fat, which is horrific.' But mm. um, it, I um, I've completely forgot what I was going to say. Alice, do you want to do you want to take over while I remember I what was I was going to say? say? I think it's really interesting because I think it really just reflects that there is a lack of understanding amongst the public of the diversity of what disability is. Mm. Um, And I think that that's, I mean, it's something that I see a lot as a um, young, in heavily inverted commas, um, person (laughs) with a a blind person, because oftentimes I've talked about, I've talked about a lot on the show, people, assume i'm training my guide dog but i'm not a guide dog user um but i even i had a an encounter just yesterday um where in something that i do for work what we do is um try and challenge people to just reassess some of the assumptions that they make about uh specifically people with learning disabilities and autism but occasionally when it feels as though the group is perhaps not getting it uh, I throw out the the fact that I am 
blind, but my favorite hobby uh, is reading. And I am, uh, I, when I did this yesterday, one person on one side of the room said, well, but if you're blind, how do you read? And I explained that actually I've got sight. I've been sitting in front of you for the last hour giving a presentation and talking to you. I can see your face. I feel as though it, <laughs> well, and I was looking at my phone to look at my notes. I was looking at people as they were talking. I feel as though it was quite obvious that I had sight. Yes. Um, so I sort of said, you know, how I read um, and pointed out that I do, I'm blind, but I have sight. And somebody on the other side of the room went, but how can you be blind if you can see? And I had to kind of explain, well, actually legal blindness is, is some is a thing and actually most blind people don't just see nothing yeah. it's not like be just black no that it's not like you just got your eyes shut and just going oh i can't see anything the majority the experience of the majority of people who identify as blind mm. is not just blackness um so do you think and it, it, sorry alice do you think that i don't know what your thoughts on this but do you think that the whole society's perception of what disability is has been fueled by the very existence of the logo for disabled parking i know that sounds ridiculous <laughs> but if you think about what 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 non-disabled people think disability is it is very much the wheelchair the not being able to get up and down stairs and right from when i was a child even before I knew what disability was, really, I knew that that little logo on a parking space, which, which used to be orange. I mean, blue badges used to be orange. That's how old I am. Really? Yeah. I genuinely didn't know. I will have to, we well, didn't have a car when we lived in London. We will so. have to try and find a, a, an old style blue badge, uh, an old style disability parking badge and put it on our socials so that yeah. we can see. Um, but yeah, it used to be orange and there was a little man in a wheelchair that clearly identified that this was for a disabled person so in my head as a child i just thought oh that that's me that's disability that's what everybody who has a disability must look like i know now that that is complete and utter completely and utterly ridiculous but i suppose i suppose if you were thinking and feeling that as someone within the disabled community who has since you know, gone into, gone to a, a school for disabled people, has, you know, works in the, the disability kind of industry and does this podcast and has learned about the diversity of disability. Yes, that, yes. I you can sort of, <laughs> I just, I'm not, I'm not saying it justifies or excuses the fact that members of the public go, oh, a blue badge is the, for disabled parking so disabled people must have wheelchairs vera what are your thoughts i've actually there's a lot of literature about the sort of the international symbol of access and mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting kind of how it was created that it was it was very much created to represent all disability and actually my favorite fact is that it never it didn't even used to have a head initially the really and really add the head later to make it look <laughs> a bit more human i'm also obsessed with stock photos of empty wheelchairs oh as a symbol for disability this is like a just yeah it's just really interesting kind of how the wheelchair is so kind of ubiquitous mm. and yeah there's a, another study kind of on accessible toilets where they've looked at a lot of signs um by jen slater and charlotte jones and um, it's really really fascinating and um, something i've been drawing a lot on to kind of think about signage but i think definitely signage has a massive influence on who's sort of expected in that space and then so sort of if you don't match that then you're already yeah. kind of you don't yeah. fit in that space and um i actually went to this shopping center i think last summer that had um spaces they had the regular blue edge spaces and parent and child spaces and then oh. some they had some spaces that had a person with a stick and they looked exactly like exactly like blue badge base but instead of a weirdest symbol they had a person with a I've stick i've seen those as it it's almost looks a little bit like like sort of an elderly person a bit it's bent just, with just a stick. stick person so it looks like me right. but i have no idea what happens and i've asked mm. i asked on twitter and no one had any idea of what they are i've never seen them form. and yeah I, I, I couldn't find out what they are or why they're there and my assumption is 
that they're meant for elderly people, but there's no there was no signage and because no. the wheelchair symbol is so like ubiquitous everyone yeah. knows exactly what it means if you have a different symbol no one knows what it's no, actually exactly. this is and this is what i've been you know when i when i've sat and thought about you know the the universal sign for disability which isn't just using car parking spaces it's used in everything to denote a disability really isn't it like call you know push this button to get to to get attention to be let into a building or, yeah it's yeah on everything. you know lift it's everywhere yeah. yeah yeah toilet doors everything um and so i you know I've, I've often sat and thought about what is the universe what would be the universal sign for disability that encompasses every everybody because i can completely see the points of people who aren't in wheelchairs and don't use wheelchairs or or visual uh, mobility aids that actually that doesn't really reflect them and it can cause friction when using those spaces that are meant to be accessible and to make people's lives easier but i don't know what the answer is to update signage it blows my mind every time i try every time i try and think about it i'm like is it a triangle is it what color should it be like and then i get off down a path usually it's this is usually like a three o'clock in the morning thought when i can't sleep um so yeah, it just I don't know what the answer is to that question. I don't. I, is it just a group of people that all look slightly different and a bit wonky? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's really interesting because I'm sure I've seen that symbol that you're talking about, Vera. And I, I think it's really interesting that there is obviously. I and and I've, I'm I'm trying to think where I've seen it, but I think there is some places where they they do they're trying to do something about differentiating perhaps between the disabled mm. community and the elderly community um obviously in the you know where we have a an aging population um you know in a, a, a top heavy um population of, of elderly people a lot of the 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 needs of elderly people in terms of stuff like parking and access may be very similar to those of people with mobility needs but actually I think the experiences are probably very different and I think that it's um I just I think that's that's really interesting you know that there is there are are places that are trying to kind of do that that piece of work around going well this is for disabled people and this is for elderly people and you know what, what about the cross-section of people who are both disabled and elderly um <laughs> my nan had rheumatoid arthritis as as a child um and had was quite sort of disabled by arthritis in her um hands her entire life and as she got older it it spread and i remember my nan having a blue badge and in a funny sort of way at the time I kind of just assumed it was because she was elderly. Yeah, it's only now that I think about it that actually I think well, actually, it's because um, you know, in terms of like, like she couldn't, she had trouble opening doors and mm. and all sorts of things like that. And as she got older, obviously her her ability to walk and move independently um, changed quite a lot. Yeah, I just, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, I think it's um, what I'm hoping to do with the research is, I mean, it's about parking, but it's also not about parking, I guess. it's. Par I think parking is kind of a space where I'm looking at kind of what that space can tell us about disability more broadly. So it's definitely about kind of exploring societal assumptions about disability and uh, how, that they're extremely rigid, that there's sort of a hierarchy, but also I don't, I'm trying to not kind of pit people against each other. I think we all have, yeah. we're all getting confronted in different ways. We all have negative encounters. Sometimes we have positive encounters. So I'm trying to capture those as well, but I think they're probably a lot rarer. Mm. Yeah. Um, but really, I think it's something that affects us all and particularly disabled people also police as other disabled people um, in parking spaces. And I'm, I'm trying to unlearn it still just to, yeah. in my initial yeah. reflex is to check that another car has a blue badge because it is so pervasive that assumption that like and it, there is so much abuse as well and there isn't really any sort of data gathering happening about yeah. like you Vera, i find it very difficult if i see somebody park and i like you i'm trying to unlearn it and unpick it 
um, all the time, really. But if I see somebody parked up, he then jumps out of the car, who and walks away, no problem. I'm like, I, I'm constantly like looking to see if there is a if there is a badge. But I think it's so yeah. ingrained in both. Uh, well, in in my experience, because that that's happened to me. So it, because and because it's happened to me, I, I it's almost like well, well, let me just check. I do remember a few months ago, I had gone into. A big Tesco, which is where they've got the car park underneath the shop. The big Tesco's are horrible because you can never find anything, but that's that's for another episode on another day. <laughs> We're not here to talk about the layout of Tesco's. Um, but I... Everyone's different. <laughs> you never find stuff. Ne- ne- never ever find stuff. Um, I remember sitting in the car. In fact, no, I wasn't sitting in the car. We pulled up. My mum got out of the car she got my chair out of the car put the chair by the side of the car and i got into the chair as i was doing this the woman who was parked opposite so we were like bumper to bumper gets out of the car clocked me and then started hobbling on the leg now i was like fair enough fair enough she's hobbling on the leg as she walked away she forgot which leg she was hobbling on and then (laughs) swapped to the hobbly leg and i was like well that's fair enough she might have two dodgy hobbly legs that's absolutely fine <laughs> trying to be you know understanding to all disabilities and how it affects us because i've got a... i'm not sure words like hobbly Hob- are very understanding to all disabilities no, but i've not finished i've people. not finished the story yet <laughs> i saw her inside the tesco uh walking around absolutely not hobbling um and running to, uh, r- running after some either somebody or something, and I was like, I am questioning how hobbly you are, and I felt awful for doing it. But I was like, mm, Have you just parked here because you knew you were going to be like ten minutes just to get some bisto for your tea, like that kind of thing? Yeah, but it, I do have to find myself really reining myself in. Because, and I don't know whether it's past ex- personal past experiences of being treated or being accosted or confronted about using a, a bay that's made me like that. Um, but it's something that I have to sort of rein in and keep in check all the time. Um, like you said, very you you are trying to unpick and unlearn it, but it's very difficult, isn't it, when you when you've constantly had experiences of people going but you do know this is for disabled people don't you um i find it something that i very very difficult yeah i think there is a lot of i mean for a lot of people we do experience not being able to find a space mm-hmm. I, I, I find it on a weekly basis i can't park and, and i go swimming every week to manage my condition and i can't park because people playing football I can't walk the extra 50 meters to um, to the regular car park and mm-hmm. use all the blue badge bays. And it's really frustrating and it really makes me feel like people don't give a shit about disabled people being able to to do anything. And yeah, it's that frustration, but I'm trying to read hard not to take out on other people. Not If they have a blue badge, I, I don't judge. I don't judge them. So yeah, but it, it, it is hard and I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure how I feel about campaigns about enforcement as well, about yeah. that enforcement, because I think it's going to lead to more kind of negative encounters for, again, people who are not perceived as being legitimate in these spaces. It is very hard, um, I think. Yeah. It is really hard because I think, yeah, because I think, you know, your your example of, of people parking in disabled bays because they've come for football, It that you just telling that story may puts my back up and makes me really angry and I sort of immediately want to go in there and start laying down fine <laughs> I take pictures um, every week but I have I have not actually reported I have to report every single one individually and I yeah. just have the bloody energy no. and yeah it's more disability course. admin that we don't need isn't it really if you think about it um it's uh, it it does make me feel a little bit. My my husband once forgot to put the blue badge out, and uh. within literally he he was picking me up somewhere. So he parked up, walked, met me. We walked back to the car together. Within that 
eight to 12 minutes, he'd got a 40 quid fine or something. And thankfully he was able to be like, no, look, this is the badge. I just forgot to put it out. Cause I mean, it just, I just wasn't thinking. Yeah. Um, but you sort of think, <laughs> how can people be so vigilant for, for that, in that one encounter and yet time and time again this is happening to vera and you just think it's not i think it's, it's of nasa it might be regional i'm really um this i've been looking at kind of the governmental data but it's very much because it's reinforced by local authorities so i think about half don't even have a policy for prosecuting blue badge fraud for example Mm. and some have no prosecutions whatsoever but that, there isn't really a lot of data being collected i've never had my blue badge checked once in 12 years no never i don't think i have actually either so i think it's it's really sort of depends on where you live whether the council actually cares about reinforcing it and i don't think mine does potentially no no and i think you know one of the other interest sort of things to consider that makes this such a complex issue is is the the evidence sort of based an assessment based process that you have to go through for getting a blue badge it does make me wonder whether there are people out there who are not disabled enough Mm -hmm. to get a blue badge and how for them actually you know are they going but today is a really bad day and i cannot walk the 50 yards from the regular car park to tesco's when i've then got to walk around tesco's as well and so I'm just going to park in a disabled bay and risk it. It's, I think, you know, it's it's another one of those. So, you know, I, I know, for example, I, I got, my badge was really easy to get because I was like, I'm getting the higher rate of mobility for Pip. And they said, oh, okay, here you go, blue badge. Yeah. Um, but obviously, particularly if you have a condition that is changeable and varies from day to day, that's really hard. Yeah, yeah, I think secure. it's the same with um, as enforcement, really. It depends on the local council. I've had stories from people. I've had uh, one person tell me that they just no longer bother with a blue badge because they got because of the amount level of kind of encounters they've had, the abuse they've had, it's just not worth it for them. I've just had someone today tell me that they can't get a blue badge because if they, they have long COVID and it's not covered by their particular council. And it's just, yeah, it's really variable. But the assessment process is something I'd, I'm probably saving for my postdoc project because it's yeah. something I would really like. <laughs> let's not let's not it's, take on too much here. <laughs> it's, uh... Yeah, it's just, I would really love to look at it because, like last time, I like I think I cried for a week straight because it was such a humiliating process having to detail in kind of all the things that I can't do and how terrible like my body is and and I, I'm have a very kind of I can walk quite fast and I can walk long distances it's just that I pay for it afterwards and yeah. the blue badge mm. absolutely helps me but I don't fit the black and white can't walk 20 meters at all no mm-hmm. no um, I mean the thing really, I I have to reapply for my badge every three years um and it's always a bit like well I still got a cerebral palsy my brain's still a bit wonky uh, like yeah. the messages don't get through and that's not going to yeah. change so uh, and we you, you can like reapply online now but you do feel like why am i having to do this like disability admin again the 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 biggest problem we have <laughs> now this in this day and age is um does the photograph on the back of the badge look like me because i have had so many different hairstyles <laughs> that i'm like have i got to keep this for three years um but yeah it's um it's like i always feel like disability and accessible parking is like that can of worms or that can that sits on the the, on the side in the cupboard and then you open it you think oh i should really shouldn't have done that because it's like worms everywhere oh no like it's just a minefield isn't it but it's an important topic to talk about because like you say vera it can lead on to i think it's very telling of how society sees disabled people if if they are sort of willing to be uppity about a parking space do you know what i mean that's the way I always look at it. If you're willing to be that uppity and that sort of militant about you can't park here because you're not disabled, it, it, it goes to show what sort of the psyche of society. 
it's also about what access is i think it's like yeah. the, you have mm. a parking space and then that's that's it sorted people can now park and get in your building but that's not really the end of it it's not really access if you then yeah. have to worry about um using that parking space every time and that's mm. something i like that's what i really want to look at kind of the sort of that feeling of being constantly on edge when you do use that space because you've had past encounters you never know when it happens again there's always a possibility that someone will confront you so i, I always like look around kind of check out check the scene see if there's anyone who might challenge me if there's anyone who might give me trouble and um i've had a recent my most recent encounter was a couple of months ago on my dropping my daughter off to school and it was sort of quite intimidating um I got shouted at by two men that were kind of physically in my face um yelling at me and it I still do have to do that drop off same drop off every kind of yeah times a week at least and I, I'm still it's still like I get I still feel anxious every single Not, time dropping yeah. to school. it's such and I yes. just find like I find it so People are just weird, aren't they? Really, like it just—it's the it, the encounter that I had in my training session yesterday about when somebody asked me, "Well, how can you be blind if you can see?" It. I came home and I was talking to David, my husband, about it, and I said, "It's like, how many people have you met in your lifetime who have come up to you and said, 'I'm blind,' when they're not really? Yeah, like how." Why, why is your trust of people who, why, the, why is me telling you not evidence enough? Mm -hmm. Why is the fact that I am, I'm using a disabled spot and I'm putting a badge down, not evidence enough for you, stranger in the street who knows nothing about me, to, to accept that... I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about. I need this space. I need this adjustment. Yeah. Why do I have to write a 500 word essay on why I need this parking space before I park here? It just, it makes me really angry. Yeah. Just who, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like fella in the street to just shout at Vera. Who's just trying to like pick a kid up from know, school. Drop your kid off. Yeah. And then you, Got other shit to be getting on with. Like, <laughs> She's also got what? to go to Tesco's in fifteen minutes to pick up a tea, and we'll probably get shouted at there as well. What? Who the who the fuck are you to be calling people out when it's nothing to do with you? How does that impact you and your life and you, or like what you're doing in that exact moment? Unless it's like you are also disabled and you were hoping to park in that spot. And there's no other disabled spots. But even then, that's not the fault of the person who parked in the spot. <laughs> it's just, it's just... I think it's people. I think it's parking being perceived as a perk. Like it's something yeah, we get. Absolutely, like we get something better yeah. than than non-disabled people. But actually, I have had that encounter where I've had. Um, uh, there was I worked in the same building as an as a wheelchair user needed the, the we had one blue badge bay between us and we decided yeah. that actually I uh, that we can still get out if we park next to each other so we uh, we, we would just park kind of halfway across the space the other person yeah. would park half, yeah half, and we'd worked out a system and it worked completely fine yeah between us and that was one of the yeah. kind of the many positive encounters well not many the few positive things yeah. rather um where we it was just like solidarity we both accepted we both need the space we'll find a solution yeah but yeah i work with two people who have mobility um needs and we our office is a converted um building on what is essentially a sort of semi-residential street uh, and the only blue badge space is uh, used to belong one of the the properties on the street is um social housing uh, a house turned into two flats and the badge that the the person who previously lived in the flat had a blue badge and so used the disabled space the person who now lives in the flat is non-disabled but believes that that is their parking space okay so whenever whenever i see it free i'm sort of 
I want to park in it so I can be like, no, this is a disabled spot. I've got a badge. But then I'm also going, but my two colleagues who maybe because we we do hybrid working, we work in the community. So I, I unpredictably are kind of parking at the office. I'm like I, But then I also don't want to park in that space because actually in terms of needing to be near the office door that's not a problem for me if we're parking on a street I can just get my dog out on the roadside yeah. where you know provided there's no traffic where it's nice and wide and there's space for her um and it is it's a whole like mental acrobatics exercise that I'm doing every time just to try and sort of decide whether I park in a disabled spot or not because the council haven't put more than one in and the person who lives in that flat believes that that is their parking space. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think non-disabled people realise just how anxiety-inducing things like worrying about whether you're going to find adequate park, suitable parking for your needs is when you're mm. going somewhere you don't know. So I work for mm. an organisation who provide access info, detailed access information to many venues up and down the uk and that these access guides include very detailed information about car parking because when we ask disabled people what what are your main things you look for when you're looking for access information if you're going to a new hospital for instance for an appointment that you've never been to before what is it you look for and they said whether we can park and whether we can find it to where we can find the toilet and what the toilets are like and the amount of emails that i have to answer every week about can you help me find parking for this place? You're where, where, where's the best park? Where's the best place to park for this clinic at this hospital? And mm. I spend a lot of my time going through the guides and sending them the link and then going onto the hospital's website to say, you will have to pay for parking. Some hospitals don't charge for parking, for disabled parking. Some hospitals do. It just varies constantly wherever you go. And I don't think non-disabled people understand that we are we find that or i certainly find that very anxiety inducing knowing that am i going to be able to get in all right is it going to be a faff to get out of the car you know because if i park on the street for car parking for me that's not brilliant because like my feet are so small like my feet are ridiculously small that if i like drop my feet down over the gap between the curb and the road in my foot gets Ooh. stuck, and then my my that's sh really my shoe falls off. That makes me feel quite that makes me feel quite scared and upset. Yeah, and I don't have that problem. No, and when it, and silly things like my shoes falling off to me, that makes me feel. But you can't then reach that. No, and yeah, very very vulnerable. So if I know that I've got car parking space that's flat and wide enough for me to get out, where actually nobody's going to be bothered if my shoe falls off, nobody's going to see it. It makes me feel a bit calmer. I know that I'll be able to find a car parking space. I know that I'm not going to have to fight people for for a car parking space in a hospital. And I just don't think non-disabled people get it. They Because non-disabled people can pull up in a car, jump out, go and do what they're going to do and jump back in the car and go. That's, that's, that's what it boils down to. Whereas I, if I know I'm going out with a friend who isn't my mom. I know. I'm like, are we going to park all right? Are we going to park all right? I've got my badge. Do you want my badge? Do, do you need my badge? Because sometimes I'll say, no, it's fine. It's all right. We're all right. Sometimes they say yes. And there have been times where I've left my badge in their car. I'm like, can you come back and give me my badge back, please? Um, before I go to Tesco. But yeah, it's just really, I, yeah, people just, they don't get it. Silly little things like, will I be able to park my car and not get stuck and lose my shoe? Sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud, but that's my reality. It's not ridiculous because it's stuff that causes you anxiety and stress. Yeah. And, you know, everybody, everybody in the world experiences those emotions. Yes. We And they're caused by all sorts of different things. And it this is a... It's a really, in a weird way, there's a really easy, straightforward solution to helping you minimise that stress. And it's making sure that there are sufficient disabled parking bays in places where disabled people go. Yeah. 
And I think I, I think something as stupid as losing my shoe makes me feel very vulnerable. And I don't know why it's losing my shoe. <laughs> I don't. Makes me feel. I, I want to step in there, Lucy, and say I don't think you should talk about something that obviously causes you quite a lot yeah. of anxiety as some, something stupid. Because regardless of how big or small the incident itself might seem, if it's something that causes you, ang- causes you anxiety, then it is significant. Yeah. And you are doing your emotions a disservice by, by minimising the, the impact the incident has on you mm. because it may seem like a small incident. Yeah. And I think this is this that that is a thing. That is a thing to say that I think we come across time and time again with talking to people about access issues and inclusion issues is that to to other people, they may seem like small or insignificant events, but to if they cause the person involved stress, pain, fear, anxiety. The thing that happened yesterday with the person questioning whether it made me feel very attacked that somebody said to me, well, how can you be blind if you can see? Because it's been quite a long journey for me to get to a point of being like, actually, I accept my sight loss. I have come to terms with the fact that one day I will lose my sight altogether and identifying as blind is something I is very very recent to me in the grand scheme of my life. Yeah. And you then going, well, but how can you be blind? That's that makes me feel attacked, and it's really offensive mm. for a random stranger to ask me something like that when it has fuck all to do with them. Yeah, and that's the same, you know, for you and your shoe. Yeah has fuck all to do with anybody else but if it makes you feel anxious yeah. then it's a big deal yeah. who thought the that point... uh, car parking spaces are losing shoes would make me cry <laughs> i think that says a lot about my emotional my emotional state currently doesn't it i mean i would <laughs> i would have thought that car parking spaces and losing your shoes would make you cry well, because yeah. lucy it is you <laughs> and i have I have seen you cry on a Tuesday because your <laughs> is not because it's slightly windy like outside. It yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> but it's, a, it's, it's just, isn't it interesting though, Vera? How like accessible parking is like one tiny little knot on top of a huge other knot that is internalized ableism, ableism, societal perception. I just find it fascinating. Yeah, that's why I'm doing this research because that's for me, like it's so emotionally charged. Um, mm. There's a lot of, yeah, I'm looking at a lot of kind of how emotions have been thought about and kind of spa- emotions as not something that you feel that that's attached to a space. So that's, yeah. I think that's like parking space is like, it's just constantly charged. And for me, it was like um, the fact that like some of the encounters I've mentioned, I think some of them happened probably 10 years ago and I can literally tell you every single detail of them because mm. they are so memorable and they still affect me on a daily basis whenever I park anywhere. And it's just that it has such a big, like these small things have such a big kind of impact on your life. But then there's also a range of stuff that happens in parking space. It can be anything from really kind of small scale stuff that still adds up over time, but also things like hate crime. And it's not really isn't really like a distinction between it's all part of the same kind of experience for us that adds up um yeah, yeah, yeah. so i think emotions are really 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 key but it's re- it's been really difficult for me kind of to manage my own emotions now when i'm having encounters it's actually made it really surreal because mm. this is literally what i'm doing for my study yeah like i'm yeah, doing he's... i'm a, probably like i'm gonna be or if I'm not already an expert on this, and yeah. I still have this, and I still have no idea how to navigate it properly. No. And actually, mm. I'm worried when I do complain that it's going to be held against me. Like that, there's going to be the assumption that I'm just doing it for my research. But yeah, when I'm this is the thing I was talking about. You know, the whole complaining as a disabled person about things that happen to you that are unjust. And I was actually doing a piece for the television about um, hate crimes and how we uh, it's the, the, dis, the disproportion in it being reported and then acted on 
for disabled people is huge. It's something like 67% of all hate crimes aren't prosecuted. Um, so I was doing a piece for the news about that, but they were saying about, you know, if we were, if the government were to improve methods of reporting of hate crimes and things like that, would it make it better? And as I sort of said, like, I think reporting any sort of instance of things not going quite right is quite daunting to a disabled person who's never made a complaint before, whether it's to your local council or to the, to the police. It's quite a daunting process to go through or to even think about attempting. So I think a lot of the time, hate crime goes unreported because they think, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to cause a fuss, I don't want to cause a fuss. And that shouldn't be the case. That shouldn't be the case. I think it's also so common because of yeah. the fact that you don't really know where that line is between this is a not just throw that someone being a bit of a twat and this is a hate crime. And it's really difficult to actually recognize that when it happens to you on a daily basis to yeah. some degree. Yeah, absolutely. So the legal definition of a hate crime is any um, abuse or harassment or obviously, you know, criminal activity that is directed against you because of a pr protected characteristic so somebody saying you're not allowed to park in that parking space you're not disabled i don't necessarily know whether that would fall under a hate crime no. however somebody somebody commenting on your presentation of your disability yeah it's the 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 threshold that like legally yeah. the threshold for what is a hate crime is actually incredibly low and i think that for the majority of disabled people we probably experience like a low level like what would be considered legally a hate crime mm. on a daily basis absolutely uh, and i i think the same as you Vera. i I think I have probably experienced a hate crime, not even realised it's a hate crime. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That because it's like nobody has actually sat me down like Alice has done just then and gone, "This is what le this is legally what a hate crime is." Uh, you know, we don't get taught that stuff in in schools. You know, um, I I I only know that statistic. I only know that information because one of the projects I work on at work, one of the things we do is try to educate people with learning disabilities and autism about hate crime because people with learning disabilities and autism are six times more likely to experience a hate crime yeah. than people with physical or sensory disabilities and that is such important work for you and your team to do Alice because like if if I as a as a physically disabled person don't don't know i wouldn't even know where to start like but if you if you're if you're if i've just said that i suspect people that you know lucy you and i i suspect we experience a low-level hate crime maybe not once a day yeah but maybe once a week once a yeah once if a week a once a fortnight with a disability, yeah yeah person with a learning disability is it's four times or six times more likely that that is basically every day that's every time they leave the house yeah terrific isn't it when you think about it really is yeah. and and when you think that <laughs> that it's happening when you've parked in tesco <laughs> i was about to say the same to thing get milk on your way home from work so that you can go home and have a cup of tea because you're fucking knackered because it's been a long ass day and just just what is going on <laughs> give like, your head a wobble thing. just give your head a wobble do you know what I mean? <laughs> Calm down, Susan. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, it's it's incredible, isn't it? Really, how and I don't understand as well how the kind of I mean, there's being an ally, and then there is just sticking your nose in because you feel like you're being a good citizen. It's that's yeah. really um, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Yeah. Is that these people think they're doing something good by going uh you're not supposed to park there yeah well actually you're just making it worse <laughs> because the people you're picking on are actually disabled and need that spot do you know what i mean mm. yeah i've had a presentation where another it was um university internal presentation where another student asked me 
why I haven't considered that it's a great display of advocacy within my research and that was a really interesting yeah and it's I think yeah it's been very difficult to kind of navigate navigate I I mean I kind of picked this topic um because I thought it'd be nice and fluffy and then I found myself reading about hate crime <laughs> I didn't want something that was like too upsetting and it has actually been like just reading about kind of how, how much kind of hate there is towards the same people in general society has yeah. been really quite interesting and then facing the same things when I'm trying to do this research I've just um yeah tweeted yesterday about this um conference when I got my presentation accepted about parking but they had an email that. to say it the venue is fully accessible but does not have accessible parking so it's not fully accessible <laughs> then. it's not fully accessible yeah what can you say to that yeah yeah that's just <laughs> yeah. ridiculous isn't it and they don't yeah. seem to very concerned and asking me what I, what I suggest they do to fix it. And it's in literally in the city centre in a pedestrianised area at rush hour. We're not within, 50, I think, at least 15 minutes from the train station. Not that I could go by train because I can't do crowds. It's like not It's just not no. safe for me. So I will be able to go, but I will be tired, mm -hmm. like exhausted for a week afterwards. I'll probably mm -hmm. have a flare up. So that's going to be months where I'm less able to do what I need to like yeah. doing my studies and my work at the same time it's there's no understanding of that cost and it's just mm. well we checked the building website and it said fully accessible and it's just yeah this is why we this is why we hate terms like fully accessible at work because they mean and and disabled friendly they don't mean those they mean that they're, yeah. they're empty words that what does that mean that means not, nothing to me and just because you put the word disabled friendly you're friendly to the disabled that's nice to know but can i get in um it's just yeah to, then, like we won't throw rocks at you when you get here but <laughs> we'll greet you with a smile instead the, of a smirk yeah i was gonna say that's the least you can ex that's all you can expect from us you might have to yeah. sit in the car park and eat your sandwich like it's... once you're in the building you're fine but getting into the building i think it's just yeah the, the definition of access is too narrow and i'm particularly mm. want to kind of highlight with my research that it's a lot of it is by other people that it's not just uh and it's not just about ignorance often it's a conscious choice to make disabled people's lives harder yeah by confronting us or by yelling at us or by using our spaces it is something that non-disabled people actively contribute to yeah yeah mm. it's just yeah. i just I find it that... fascinating how it's, it's like one big rabbit hole isn't it <laughs> mm. i uh do you think vera from your research that um that do do you think that there are how often do the people that you've t spoken to find that they're unable to get in a space because there is a a person without a badge in spaces so it's not something i have experienced very much of, but i live in a really shitty small town so <laughs> I haven't really spoken to anyone yet because I'm just um, starting my data collection in January. Um, so okay. I've mostly looked at kind of literature and I've sort of, basically whenever I've said this is my research, people tell me stories. It's really amazing mm -hmm. and I'm kind of looking at how I can use kind of frame, frame my research about kind of storytelling methods, which is um, I think really important to kind of um, represent disabled people's voices and the stories are so evocative. Like people just tell me, oh, someone said, Disabled people, sh disabled people don't don't need to be out after ten, like after eight o'clock, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, or disabled people don't work, so you don't need this parking space. So these the, kind of these stories are really um, emotive, and I, I I think yeah, like like I said, I'm focusing more on encounters rather than kind of abuse. But for me, a lot of my encounters used to stem from the fact that I used to be really bulky and just challenge people. And I don't anymore so much because I just don't have the energy and that because I am more I am now more worried about being on the receiving end of violence because that's happened almost yeah. happened to me twice. So it's definitely made me a little bit more cautious about confronting people unless I absolutely have to. And yeah, it's something I've had to consider. I've I've thought about asking people to take pictures, but I think it's gonna potentially escalate the situation for some people. So I've decided yeah. against that. So but I think <laughs> I think it'd be really interesting to see kind of 
what kinds of encounters people have, whether it's from them confronting someone or whether it's them being challenged for not appearing like they should be using that space or whether it's just people gen- just gen- picking on someone because they're disabled mm. um, or trying to help. I think that's what some of uh, some wheelchair users have told me was that they get unwanted help as well. So I've, I've kind of mapped out a whole different kind of types of encounters that you might have and that's in my survey as well so you kind of yeah. see which ones are most common amongst different groups of disabled people mm-hmm. how can uh, our listeners contribute to your survey and your research uh, yes so i'm hoping to launch it in january or february depending on when i get ethics approvals i'm just waiting for that at the moment and have a this web- episode probably won't be out until february time anyway mm-hmm. so that might if work you're listening to this yeah. my survey is probably hopefully live by now so, <laughs> um, i've got a website um, with uh, my information about my project which is um, politicsofparking.com well, and... what a t- what a name for a website yeah. <laughs> brilliant i'm very, very good excited, yeah to have so that's <laughs> I wanted to go with Baywatch, but that's already taken, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yes. So, yeah, politicsofparking.com. So that's just got information about sort of my research, what I'm doing. And then once I've got uh, permission to put the survey live, um, it's only open for um, people in England because I'm particularly interested in the um, kind of po- recent policy change, policy change for the Blue Badge scheme for um, people with what they've what they call hidden impairments um i have a lot of kind of issues about how they've worded about basically for people with non not necessarily mobility impairments that nevertheless benefit from being close mm-hmm. to the entrance for whatever reason or from benefiting from having more space so that kind of change i'm really interested to see how that's affected the encounters that people have in blue badge base brilliant um I don't think I've got any more questions. I, I think, think I could I certainly either. sit here and talk about this all day, <laughs> but I know that we've all got other things to do. Um, Vera, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet, on my website, politicsofparking.com and on Twitter at uh, Vera, V-E-R-A underscore uh, K-U-B. Vera, this has been really interesting. Really Thank interesting. So joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really, it's been a real, really interesting. Yes. And um, yeah, we've had, we've had a couple of uh, PhD candidates on recently. And I, I don't think Lucy and I quite talked over you as much as we talked over poor <laughs> Rebecca when she came on. <laughs> um, I think perhaps blue badges are slightly less triggering than PIP assessments. Only slightly, <laughs> only slightly. <laughs> Um, if you enjoyed this episode, listeners, please do let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts um, and, you know, tell your friends because that's also a great way to spread the word about the show. I guess we'll see them again next time, eh, Lucy? I think so. See you soon. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labeled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved. 